Hi, my name is Marcia Chatlin. I'm a professor of history at Georgetown University, but more importantly, I'm the host of Office Hours, a podcast. This is an opportunity to get a window into my world where I talk to students about the things that are most important to them. So please join us for Office Hours for the things we don't talk about in class. Today on Office Hours, I'm having a conversation with Georgetown junior Taylor Tobin, who hails from San Francisco, California. We'll be talking about what it's like to be a transfer student. Hello, Taylor. Hi. How are you? I'm good. How was your winter break? It was really nice. It was relaxing. Did you go back to Northern California? Yeah. I went back to San Francisco, got away from the cold, although that was kind of a joke. Um, (laughs) And then, yeah, just spent time with my family, hung out, did nothing. Literally. Now that you've been an East Coaster for a few years, what is weird about San Francisco to you now? Um, well, it's totally different from when I was a child to now mm-hmm. because of the whole like tech invasion. But that's that's definitely weird, the whole tech culture. Um, and even sometimes weird to my family who's been there a while. Um, it's, this, it's just this different way of living, and you mm-hmm. can kind of tell it's a pretty small city, um, it's like seven by seven, and you can definitely tell who works in tech and who doesn't. Mm-hmm. Um, and and even big companies have moved in. So Twitter moved in um, right near the Tenderloin. Um, huge gentrification. Um, yeah, it's it's just a different. It's a different culture. I do love how people are a little more laid back, a little mm-hmm. more relaxed. That's completely true. People are more high struck on the East Coast. <laughs> With that being said, um, I wanted to talk to you today because um, you are one of a handful of transfer students that I have met here at Georgetown. And I think that the experience of transferring colleges is such a unique one that a lot of students who are out there who are listening to the podcast who might be wondering, should I transfer? Is this a good idea? Um, We've had some mailbag questions about it. So tell me a little bit about your first college experience. Yeah, so my freshman year, I went to NYU, um, which is a huge college in New York City. Um, In Greenwich Village, there's dorms, but they're pretty far away from the main campus, and there's really no campus, no gates. Um, And it's it's similar in some ways to large public universities in that you're you're kind of a number, and to tie yourself to the school, you have to join an organization. Um, But it is still like a private school. Um, But it was just, it was a massive experience. Um, I was very much so... I felt like just another just another student, um, and although my classes were interesting, I also wasn't being academically challenged. Um, I think that's always a great reason to leave a university, because at the end of the day, you are you are paying this money for a reason, and one of those reasons is to is to grow academically. And if you're not, that is a great reason to leave. Um, on the flip side, I also think the social. Uh, experience at college is really important. Um, that's kind of like another reason to go to college. Um, I wasn't getting the type of social experience I wanted. Clubs weren't that popular there. Um, I also, you know, there wasn't that that idea that kind of like everything's on campus and you run into your friends walking to the library. So one of the, I applied to a lot of schools, but one of the reasons I applied to Georgetown specifically um, was because they have that community. Um, I think that kind of goes with the whole Jesuit values. 
but uh, but I could even feel it walking on campus. So let me ask you, when you were a senior in high school and you got into NYU, I take it you were super excited. No. Oh, just kidding. <laughs> you were the opposite of super excited. Did you feel like NYU was a situation where it's like, this is the best school I got into, I should go? Or what animated that decision? Um, I definitely did it all wrong. I I did. I wasn't a great student in high school. I had a lot of kind of academic challenges. I think that came from a lot of different, like, learning disabilities um, that it took me really until my senior year to tackle. Um, and NYU kind of gave me another year to work on my academics and to strive. But um, so in high school, I didn't, my freshman sophomore year, I didn't have great grades, although I went to a good high school. Um, and so I couldn't apply to a lot of the schools that I really wanted to go to, places like Georgetown. Um, and so I kind of applied, I think I applied to like 18 colleges. I applied to like everywhere, not, and I still didn't know where I wanted to go. Mm-hmm. Um, and kind of got into NYU, got into some other schools, still didn't know where I wanted to go. Um, and I kind of thought NYU was like the best of all of them, not even academically, but just that at least I was in New York City and I could, I could probably find happiness for a year. But even after, I remember my parents submitted the deposit and I started Googling how to transfer. <laughs> Okay, so, so listeners, this is a little bit different, but this is kind of interesting because did you ever think about just not going? No, I, um, I didn't. I, um, I, but I also kind of looked at NYU as like a weird opportunity for mm-hmm. gap year. I, um, I repeated this is kind of aside, but I repeated preschool, and so I'm already old for the grade. I'll graduate college at 23, which I think is fine. It's not a big deal, but I didn't want to take a gap year and graduate at 24, so a gap year was never something I was going to do. So I was always going to go to college, so it was like, where are you going to go? So did you think it was hashtag awkward when your other friends were talking about, like, dream schools and getting super, like, amped up about college? Like, how do you handle, like, your ambivalence in the middle of, like, college mania? Um, I mean, there were definitely some tears, and then, I don't know, I guess it was just kind of like, I, I don't know. I guess it was just acceptance. Um, I think I've, like, experienced a lot of rejection in life, and I think that comes from, like, not not being a good student. I think if you haven't always been a good student, there's some kids who are on that straight-A path from day one, but I think if you're not, it gives you a very different perspective. So I was I was kind of just fine with it. I was like, this is, uh, you know, I think my dad put it best. He's like, well, it doesn't matter. You're in Greenwich Village. Like, you'll have fun. <laughs> and he was right. I did have some, like, great moments, <laughs> mm-hmm. and I wouldn't change it at all. But, um, yeah, I, I guess I was just kind of fine with it. It's like, this is this is what's going to happen. Um, how did you talk to your parents about it? Did you wait till you got to NYU before you're like, just kidding, I'm transferring? How do you broker that conversation? Um, I did it in the worst way you can possibly <laughs> do it. So I didn't tell them that I was thinking about transferring. <laughs> okay. My mom drops me off. Um, I'm, I'm a little uneasy. She she takes me out to dinner. It's kind of like a final night, like goodbye. I'm going to fly back to San Francisco. We're sitting at dinner. This is two blocks from my dorm. I turned to her. I said, I just want to let you know that I'm going to leave after my freshman year. This is, in the, this is like the most dramatic way you can do it. Her <laughs> flight is at like 8 a.m. the next day. Like her bags are packed. She's checked out of the hotel. And I'm like, I'm going to leave. And she was like, she was like, what the hell? Like, we've paid tuition. <laughs> she was like, well, you have to finish out your freshman year. We've paid tuition. Why don't you just try to like it? This is, this is like day two. Okay. <laughs> um, but so, so I went into it knowing I was going to transfer, which kind of helped in that I, like, really put a lot of time into my academics and did well. But, you know, my parents flipped out. 
My mom ended up staying a couple days. She changed her ticket. It was a lot. It was a lot of tears. <laughs> okay. So, um, the, so then you had to make a decision about what school you wanted to go to. So you knew you didn't want to be in New York City anymore. Yeah. You know you didn't want to be in a huge school. When you're kind of at the point of applying to schools, what do you think that extra year gave you to, to like know what to look out for? Um, I think it... I think it really allowed me to to pick smartly. I especially, and, and this happened to a lot of my friends' friends who transferred or didn't. I think kind of regardless of how much thought you put into it in high school, you don't really know what you're getting into. You were in high school, you're not in college. It doesn't matter how many tours you went on or how many times you looked at the website. So that's kind of a side. But so I think with transferring, you, you know on some level what college is like. Mm-hmm. And so you know what's kind of true about the school and you know what's not. Um, and so it allowed me to be like, okay, no school is going to be like perfect academically, but I know I want one that is, that is known for being difficult mm-hmm. and, and no social life is going to be perfect, but I know I don't want a Greek scene because I won't fit in there. And so there were like things like that, that I knew that I kind of liked about NYU or didn't like, and I could pick kind of off of that. And so in terms of if he, since you were so sure what you were going to do, how did that impact your making friends or, you know, you know, starting relationships yeah. or, or whatever? I ended up making one best friend who I think I'll be friends with for life um, and actually ended up making off of her freshman floor. I ended up making a group of friends. But it was it was definitely it was definitely hard because it, it's hard to look at a year thinking that, like, I don't know where I'll be next year, but I won't be here mm-hmm. is um but it, I don't know. I, it, like, it worked out in the best way it could, um, but it was definitely difficult. I, it's almost like taking a job for two years and knowing mm-hmm. you're going to leave. So maybe you make some decisions that you wouldn't make if you were there long term. And so when you got to Georgetown, did you have kind of a plan in mind of like what this experience needed to be for you? Um, or were you I thinking didn't. I could transfer from here also? <laughs> no, no. When I got into Georgetown, I was like, I'm going. This is this is where I'll be in the next three years. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I was really happy to go to Georgetown and, and really excited. Um, I think the kind of the plan I had is I knew I wasn't – I knew I wanted to keep doing well in school. Uh, I knew I wasn't going to do as well, and I, and I didn't, and that's fine. Um, so I think there was that aspect. And then the, as- the other part is I wanted to get – just really involved in the school and I did and then I had to quit some things (laughs) (laughs) you got a little overwhelmed so okay this is an interesting one so today you told me that you have been named the CEO of the corp and for our listeners out there who are not Georgetown affiliated it's basically the um student run I guess you should describe it (laughs) since you're the CEO it's a big deal here at Georgetown because they run some really successful businesses and they reinvest in the student body yeah so we're essentially just the largest student body largest student run business um in the U.S. we're entirely student run everything from the board to the employees um so as CEO I'm managing about 400 employees um a little over five million in revenue a year whoa yeah (laughs) 
I don't think I buy my coffee from your carts. I had no idea that it was contributing to this incredible cash flow. So the corp is um, a really high profile position. Um, corp leadership is on campus, and it's a little unusual for a transfer student yes. to be in that position <laughs> because whether it's true or not, students often say, "Well, you have to be really connected, and you have to know the right people." Blah blah blah. Um, clearly, you were chosen because you're brilliant and you're incredibly you. good with people. But the kind of student involvement, kind of jumping in later piece, I think makes a lot of people hesitant about transferring. Um, tell me a little bit about what it was like, kind of showing up. As the new kid in a college yeah. setting. So it was funny. Um, every sem- I think the one thing that differs transferring from being kind of starting from starting from day one is for me at least every semester has been kind of wildly different, mm-hmm. and almost almost like everything's been like fast forwarded. So like I made friends really quickly, and by the second semester I was like going on a road trip with my good friends, whereas those friends had all been friends since freshman year. So it was like things like that. Um, but with like joining a social organization, because the corp, corp's kind of weird in general, but it's a, it's a student-run business, but we also all socialize together, and we're all really good friends. Um, and so I kind of looked at it. I got in, and at first was just grateful to like have some friends, realistically. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> but once I got past, it was like, okay, these people will like be my friends for more than a couple weeks. Um, I actually sat down with um, this great girl who she transferred from Dartmouth, um, and I really looked up to her because she always kind of had a great attitude and had a smile on her face and was just a really nice person that people respected. Um, and she was sitting next to me one day. I was, like, getting a cup of coffee. And she was like, how's transferring going? And I was like, I don't know. Like, help me. <laughs> uh, and she was actually really nice. We ended up talking for a couple hours. And she basically said, you have to, you have to go into these, um, into these social interactions because I think transferring mostly affects kind of your social life. Mm-hmm. And she said, you have to go into your social life with the idea that that the people around you, regardless of whether they transfer or not, don't care that you transferred. You are the only one who cares. And that was kind of, like, mind-boggling to me <laughs> because the prior six weeks I told everybody that I had transferred <laughs> and I had been really awkward and, like, didn't know how to act and was like, they, none of them want to be my friends. Like, I didn't have the freshman experience. Um, and so that kind of put a light bulb on. And then I was just like... So then I started going into social situations, not saying I was a transfer, not caring... Um, and, and just making kind of an effort to, like, be nice to people and, like, have conversations. Um, and I think that was kind of, like, my big light bulb moment. And then after that, I was kind of able to approach everything with the corp um, really from that angle that, like, it doesn't matter that I missed the first year. It doesn't matter that I came in sophomore fall. Well, the thing that I think is also interesting, I remember meeting you after <laughs> class, and I think in passing you said you went to NYU, but I think think it was for an administrative purpose. You're yeah. like, I don't know if this class will transfer. But one of the things that I wonder, though, academically, if you felt like you were in an environment that you weren't being challenged that much to one where I, I don't know. I haven't been a student here, but I find Georgetown very challenging. Yeah, um, what was that like? It was it was tough. My first semester, I kind of my first semester, I definitely put the most work into my academics and was so kind of nervous that I did far better than I expected. Um, but I mean, I really went from being like a 4.0 student to not at Georgetown. Um and so, and so that was definitely a surprise. And I was like, maybe I should, like, try to get a 4.0. And then I was like, that's impossible here. <laughs> like, like, and I do other things. Um, mm-hmm. And so I, I guess I just kind of g- gave up on, like, the ideal, a- like, academic transcript and traded it in for other things. 
Um, it was kind of funny. I went to the career services last week, and I was like, oh, like, I, my grades are probably going to take a hit. Like, I just got this huge position that's, you know, going to be, like, 30 hours a week, and, and I'm withdrawing all my summer internship applications. And the guy kind of laughed at me. He was like, it doesn't matter. You're the CEO. <laughs> like, somebody will hire you. <laughs> no kidding. And I was like, I was like okay, thanks. But, um, yeah, now I'm on a tangent. I don't know what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> now, I think what you're talking about is a kind of flexibility that yeah. I hope all the listeners out there model when they think about their college careers because it can be more than one thing. Yeah. And so I think that – a lot of about transferring is about projecting the Being perfect yeah. situation, and then you're miserable unless you're flexible about it. And that's I think so that true. that's the quality you bring the most. Um, what has been the biggest surprise about coming to Georgetown? Gosh, um, honestly, like everything, but students are definitely, they're like very kind here, but also... Like, they really strive to do their best, which I definitely do, but but I think why sometimes people were, like, willing to be my friends, I'm, like, willing to admit that, like, I'm not always doing my best, and, like, I've put off that class, and, like, it's fine. But students, like, really work hard in classes. Like, this is a place where the majority, obviously not the entire class, but the majority of the class has done the reading, mm-hmm. and a good portion of the class is going to office hours and everybody's in three clubs and and people have a lot of Georgetown pride. Um, and, you know, I think that's good, but, I mean, there are a lot of flaws within that. But mm-hmm. um, that, that really surprised me is how involved students are and how much they care about their schoolwork. And how many, no, and how many students were, like, straight-A, type-A students mm-hmm. in high school. Because I was, I was the farthest thing from So that. tell me what that's like, because I have to say, like, rarely have I met a student who said, yeah, you know, I struggled initially, and then I kind of found my footing later. Yeah, I graduated high school with, like, a 3-3. Three, three. Mm-hmm. Like, I did... I, that's and, good. Yeah, no, but, like, for my high school, that wasn't. I see. Yeah, like, that was, like, not great. Um, and, like, I barely made the 3-3. Three, three. But, um... I guess I was always a student who who struggled academically. Mm-hmm. That's why I entered kindergarten late. From like kindergarten, I would really say until halfway junior until halfway through junior year of high school, I was a, not a good student. Nobody really expected me to do well in middle school, and when I was younger, um, and so I think it gives me a really a really different perspective in mm-hmm. that I, I'm not coming into a. I never expected to go to a school like Georgetown. Mm-hmm. I it was never in the cards for me. My brother went to Princeton. He was always a good student, but we were just different. Mm -hmm. Um, And then all of a sudden I got to NYU and I was able to just like be myself and focus on my academics and I was able to kind of do well. And like it was shocking to me. (laughs) (laughs) What do you think it was? I think it was that I, I think any student who's listening who has, you know, ADHD or who's dyslexic Mm -hmm. um, or who has kind of any of those issues, it takes you a lot longer to to get to a point of academic success. And maybe you never get there and then you have, you know, huge professional success. But so I think for the first part, you're you're just on a slower track. And so it took me a lot longer to just get there and to learn that how I study is just going to be different. And I think what's great about college for any students who, who struggled in high school is that college is a place where you can where you can do it however you want. So you can study however you want, and you can approach classes however you want. So I don't, I don't take classes with a lot of tests. I don't take, like, more than two of those because I, I can't do five classes that, like, have a lot of tests. I'm a much better writer. 
And so it's like things like that that you can do in college that you can't do in high school. When you were in school, do you feel like people were really attentive to your learning issues or were they kind of like, suck it up? Or like, <laughs> because I think, I mean, I think that there's also a gender element to this oh my too. God, I was just. Oh my did gosh! You this read is that article. Yes, I did. The, I was like, "This is my life." No, I mean about, about girls and ADHD, and it's that was it, like my life. And the socialization <laughs> of girls to just Holy like shit, be yeah. quiet, just like shut that up, so you're struggling, cute. or be really cute I read that and article, struggle. I was like this is my life. Um, <laughs> we'll add the article yeah. on the Tumblr page, and we'll add it to the homework <laughs> section. But this idea that a girl is, first of all, I mean, to be really honest, in my career. I have met so few young women who who struggle academically. Yeah, I think that once weird. a young woman struggles academically, she's kind of put somewhere else, and then it's survival of the fittest. I think that a lot of the men I've taught have been able to kind of come through it yeah. in different ways. And so, um, so what does that look like? I mean, I, I think about you know people your age as being so privileged in the sense that we had diagnoses and they were treatments and people were so attentive. But then I hear, like, that's not the entire story. I I was, like, I was incredibly lucky. My my oldest, I'm one of three, I'm the baby, but my oldest brother has a severe mental disability and is blind. So my my parents kind of already knew that whole scene. Um, And so they kind of tested me and my brother just Mm -hmm. regardless when we were really young just because of that. Um, And then I think it's also, I was you know, coming from a place of privilege in that I had a ton of tutoring, a ton of occupational therapy as a young kid starting, Jesus, I think starting like four. Mm -hmm. Um, And I did a ton of tutoring. Those were like my fondest childhood memories. (laughs) (laughs) Through like fourth grade. Um, I even hired a tutor last semester because like I just, I needed a tutor. Um, But yeah, so I think my parents were always like my biggest cheerleaders and they would constantly... Even if the school was like, no, you're not smart, like, you're dumb, they were always saying, like, you're so smart, you're going to succeed, we think you're incredible. Like, when I got CEO, they sent me, like, a beautiful letter and some flowers, and so, like, they're just, they're, like, the greatest people ever, but I I can't imagine having all these issues and, like, not having parents like that. I don't Mm -hmm. think I would have made it to Georgetown. And how about the schools? The schools were on and off. I mean, even Georgetown I've had issues with, um... My elementary school was a private Catholic school, and they were good with some things. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think going to an all-girls school and having these issues really helps in middle school. I definitely did not have a lot of friends. I was not cool. But um, but I also think it's you're a much better person if you weren't cool in middle school. Yeah. yeah. I, <laughs> like think, I think there's, like, studies about that. Yeah. We will also post that on the Tumblr yeah. site. So this is really <laughs> – this is why I love talking to students. I thought we were going to talk about transferring, but yeah. this is, like – no, it's much deeper because it's about the way all of these kind, kind yeah. of things kind of work together. Um, if you could – if you're comfortable, like – so – your parents have had this experience of, of working with a child with severe disabilities. Yeah. And this is a household you grew up in, too. Yeah. So you kind of just saw people being different in, a, yeah. in the same family, <laughs> which is like no one no one gets I that. I thought it was normal. <laughs> <laughs> but no one gets this experience of, of, of these just different expressions of the self in yeah. one family. And it's usually not till people go away to college that they realize that, like, there's any kind of difference. So how did that kind of – how do you think that kind of shaped your kind of perspectives about people or your relationship to achievement? Yeah, I think my rela- – I – I think kind of how I view people is I think because of my oldest brother, Charlie, my parents, especially 
my like wonderful mother always emphasized to to Joe and I, my middle brother, to like always be kind to people. Mm-hmm. Like that was huge. Like always be nice. You don't know what other people have going on in their lives. You don't know who their siblings are. You just you just don't know. Um, so you know, I'm far from perfect, Jesus. But like I think um, I think that was kind of always there. Like you always have to be nice to people. Like we don't care how what your grades look like, but you have to be nice to people. Mm-hmm. So, so that was kind of always there from day one. I think my achievement, I think kind of how I viewed achievement honestly radically changed my freshman year of college. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd say before my freshman year of college, I never really viewed myself as a good student or somebody who would, who would achieve. I always kind of thought I would go into business and like mm-hmm. be successful in that realm, but I didn't know how I was going to get there or if I was going to get there. And then kind of my freshman year, I had like professors tell me I was smart and all of a sudden, I was I was the best in every single class, and I finished my freshman year with a 4.0, and it was like, oh my god, all my dreams just came true, and it was like just it was crazy. And so I started, I started going for all these opportunities, um, because because all of a sudden people told me I was smart, which That's is so like powerful, really weird. And then, and even now at Georgetown. All these kids that I work with, especially the younger kids, the, like, freshmen, sophomores, they're always like, Taylor, you're so smart. Like, we love you. We idolize you. And I'm just like, what's going on? <laughs> this is amazing because it's – first of all, it's so ridiculous because you're, like – I don't know. You're, like, what, 15? How old are you? <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm 21. And this shows how elderly I am. Everyone's 15. <laughs> so you're 21. And in a lot of ways in our kind of, like, crazy achievement, like, tracking culture, 21 is, like, a late start to the achievement culture, which yeah, is crazy. I don't crazy feel like I crazy because even until I was 18. Yeah, so, so like, it's like, you know, and so we, we track people so early of, like, you're gifted yeah. and you're special that, like, I think that there's something really amazing about, okay, like, in the middle of it, I discovered these things about myself, right? Yeah. And I think it's so easy, especially around here at Georgetown, to assume that every kid has been on that track since day one because so many of yeah, the students I think have. honestly, the majority. <laughs> like, the majority. <laughs> you know, and I think, and I also think as a professor, you become a professor because you were on that track, too. Like, yeah. you know, very few of my colleagues say, yeah, I didn't do very well, and then all of a sudden I was able to get a PhD in, like, molecular biology, right? Yeah. And so I think that this is the kind of thing that is just so basic but so important. Like, oh, you discover gifts at various points in your life yeah. and like you reinvent yourself or you gain a new kind of confidence that you didn't have before whether it's kind of professional or personal so I think that's great this is why I like talking to you so much <laughs> so we are going to close out the interview and the last question I'm going to ask you is if there's one thing you wanted you would want your professors to know about you what would it be um, that doesn't come up enough I guess like I guess I, well, I don't know, maybe this is gone, but I guess I, like, I really love school, so, like, you know, even if I don't get in my assignments on this <laughs> on time this semester, mm-hmm. like, I do really love your classes, um, and I love, like, connecting with professors, I love talking to them, um, so probably that. Thank you, Taylor. You're welcome. This is great. <laughs> what an amazing interview. And now it's time for our Ask the Doctor segment, where students from all over the country ask me questions about surviving college. Okay, this letter is from Esther G. from North Greenwood, Massachusetts. Dear Dr. C, I started this semester high as a kite. I was doing well in school, crushing every activity, and in a great relationship. Now, midterms hit. It seems like everything has literally gone away. I went from skipping a few classes to not going at all. I'm so embarrassed that I haven't talked to any of my professors or friends about this. How do I dig myself out? 
Esther, first, I would say, take a deep breath. I have seen students go through this so many times, and the same students who've struggled the way you are, I've seen do, do extremely well and dig themselves out. So your first line of action is to talk to a dean in your college dean's office or a trusted advisor who can help you navigate the sensitive information that you want to share with your professors to let them know that you've gone through a hard time and that you're ready to come back. Oftentimes when students hit a roadblock, it might be the first time they've ever had to deal with things not going their way, and so they get discouraged. This happens to all of us. This happened to me in college, and it often happened to my friends. But the first thing that you need to do is to understand that other people go through this, and as a result, everyone on your campus has a strategy for making you succeed. So talk to your dean. Then you want to consider some of the options at your campus counseling center to talk to a licensed professional about whether you're suffering from depression or anxiety or other issues that happen to all of us at some period in our life. Then you want to have a really good action plan for making up missed assignments and negotiating with your professors what your deadlines are. The number one thing to know is that this doesn't mean that your experiences aren't valuable. What you're going through will teach you a lot in life moving forward, but you have to come clean with what's happening, and you have to also let your friends know because you'll also be surprised to know that they've been going through this too. So Esther, please stay in the struggle and know that this isn't the first or last time a student has struggled, but there are a lot of resources out there for you. Thank you for visiting Office Hours. Office Hours, a podcast, is a production of Dr. Marsha Chatlin and Alex Tyson. The views expressed on this podcast are those of the speakers and only the speakers. Join us on social media, on Twitter at Office Hours Pod, and on Instagram on Office Hours Podcast.